Right, Liliana, will you come and read the Bible reading for us? Mark 10, verses 13 to 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them and blessed them. Luke 18 verses 15 to 17. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. When the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the little children to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. Thank you. Let's pray over God's word. Dear Father, we thank you that not a word is wasted or in vain, that these passages are there for a purpose and a reason. And we pray, dear Father, that you would speak to our hearts today about what it is to have a childlike faith. Dear Father, I just pray that you would help me to get out of the way so that you can speak today. Dear Father, we pray that you would touch our hearts and our minds today. Be here, Lord, in your son's name. Amen. Well, firstly, a big welcome to everyone at home in online church. It's great to have you with us too. Um, My name is Marion and I have the privilege to be part of um, the team here at Hills, particularly with families and children, and it's the best job ever. Recently, I was chatting to one of the young mums and um, she just registered her daughter for kindy. And as well as all those normal questions about what's her name, what are her skills, what's she good at, what does she need help with, there was a a question that really gave the mum a bit of pause for thought. And it was, what three words describe your daughter? Well, how do you sum up your child in just three words? And does it depend on the type of day you've had when you're filling in the form, you know? (laughs) Stubborn, anxious, tired, ah, no, that's me, not her. Joyful, happy, excited, not too much of the same thing, a bit repetitive. It's difficult to describe your child in just three words, but I decided to take that as my challenge this morning for this passage. Uh, What three words really sum up a childlike faith? So with much assistance from a thesaurus, I came up with enthusiastic, energetic and expectant. Jesus interacts with children several times uh, that we've got recorded in the New Testament, but they are never the focus and they're always unnamed. But they serve as a teaching device and Jesus uses the interaction with children to teach us something. And in this passage of scripture, the children are there to teach us what true discipleship looks like. Jesus loved the children And he spent time with them. 
Can you imagine being one of those parents who was confronted by the disciples? These, these big hairy blokes going, nope, nope, none shall pass. And you know what? I think they were pretty effective at that. But then you watch as these guys, Jesus' closest friends, are rebuked in front of you. And not only does Jesus bless your child, but he uses it as a teaching time. For such is the kingdom of heaven. This is one of those times where Jesus rebukes the disciples. I don't know about you, but that's not a common leadership practice these days to rebuke your team in front of other people, particularly a whole big bunch of strangers. But that's what Jesus did because he was indignant. Guys, fellas, really? Let the children come. Do you ever get the feeling that Jesus was just a little bit frustrated with his disciples? (laughs) To me, this is one of those times. Guys, what are you doing? Haven't you been paying attention? I want to be with the children. Get your big hairy selves out the way. Come on, kids. Come here. And then looking at these big scruffy disciples, he says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. You've got to come to the Father as a child. You need a childlike faith. And when we look at the context, it's even more profound. Ancient world parenting was quite different to today. Families in ancient times were pretty fluid and often very blended. Wives were often much younger than their husbands because girls were married as soon as they reached puberty. But a bloke needed to be old enough to earn an income and to look after his family. And that in itself might explain why Joseph really only features in our New Testament up until about the time Jesus is 12. By the time we get to the cross, he's not in the picture anymore. The high mortality rate of the times also meant that families blended more often because there wasn't a welfare system like we know now. And so the children and the widow would gather around the closest family member who was able to support them. So a family might have a very blended bloodline in that respect. You might live in a household with cousins, brothers, sisters, halves, steps. So blended families are nothing new. And new family members would be added frequently over your lifetime. We also know that there was a very different dynamic um, for children based on their birth order and on their gender. So boys had a greater value And parents without a son really did struggle because there was no one to look after them in their older age. Because a daughter, once she was married, joined the husband's family and looked after the in-laws. You also didn't need a dowry for a son as well, so that was a bonus. And there is a tendency for us to read this passage with our 2021 glasses on, you know, Wouldn't Jesus want to hang out with my cute kid? You know, let's get some selfies here. You know, my my daughter is just so adorable. Like Jesus would want to hang with her. Hmm. It'll be good for his profile. Insta-worthy. And then you sort of like, I can see the parents going, oh, good on you, Jesus, get those hairy blokes out the way. You want to spend time with my kid? No. Well, you know, historically it wasn't quite like that either. 
no selfies for a start, no Instagram-worthy shots here, really hard to chisel it in time while a child sits still and heavy to carry. Children were loved, but it was more about their future potential because that's where your future security lay. They were important, but it was about a future perspective, not a now. So it was more likely that these parents brought their children to a man that they saw as special and important to have them blessed, to secure the child's future. And the disciples, well, being a pretty scruffy-looking lot, they're probably doing a very effective job of turning people away because they saw that Jesus' time was really important and they were trying to give him a bit of a break, a rest from the demands of ministry. You know, from their perspective, children weren't going to gain a lot from Jesus' teaching. I mean, they had trouble getting their heads around it, so it would be a bit wasted on the children, wouldn't it? You know? So, you know, if it was a waste of time teaching children, this story wouldn't be in our Bible, would it? So it was anything but a waste of time. And let's have a look at the children. Why would they go to Jesus? Children can see a fake. They're authenticity detectors, aren't they? Yeah? They like safe and secure. Particularly when you look at a young child, their eyes will follow mum around the room. Their arms will only reach out to dad or someone that they know really, really well. And these children didn't seem to have any bother with going to Jesus, did they? Why not? Well, Jesus had made himself known to them. Let's have a look at this a bit. Jesus was a rabbi. In the order of the day, he stood apart as a profound teacher. He was revered. People were just a little bit in awe of him. You can hear it in the, in the scriptures. You know, there's that element of surprise. Isn't this Joseph's son? The son of a carpenter? Isn't he from Nazareth? And then there's that little bit of awe when they've heard him teach, particularly in the synagogue. Didn't he explain the scriptures like we'd never heard before? He speaks with authority. Jesus is someone that some of the adults actually kept a respectful distance from. But the children wanted to get in close. They wanted to climb up on his lap. So why is that? Children need your presence to be comfortable, don't they? During this time of COVID, there's actually a research study being done at Flinders Uni because there's been a lot of trauma over COVID babies who've only interacted with grandparents on Zoom. And then when we're allowed back in the room, the grandparents, of course, come here, can I get a cuddle? And the child just screams. 
You know, that's got to be traumatic for everybody involved, doesn't it? You know, imagine being the parent of this newborn that's screaming at their grandparent. You're going, I'm sorry, Mum, but they're really... Just awful all around, isn't it? And so they're actually doing some studies to try and work out how they're going to rebuild those social skills that have been lost for these COVID babies, particularly in Victoria. Because a child needs your presence, your physical presence to feel safe with you, to build that trust to trust you. And these children felt safe with Jesus. They knew him by his presence. And we do read about Jesus getting down. And I'd like to think that that part of him getting down was when he played with children. You know, we hear about him hooking up his robes and making mud pies and then healing a blind man. Spit mud. (laughs) Nice. And then he writes his only sermon, his only written sermon, is written in dust as a woman stands beside him in fear of her life and those that persecute her drift away. Jesus gets down on the ground and I think he got down at eye level with those children because the crowds that gathered around Jesus, well, they would have been full of children. There were no childcare centres in Jerusalem Central. You know, here we grow, kingdom. Not really, no. So there was no choice, but the children were part of the crowd. And they played around his feet while he spoke. They knew him. He was present for them. Jesus was known to the parents, but the children, well, they knew he was a friend and they went to him easily. In Jesus, God was present. And Jesus, ever patient, was always taking the opportunity to teach using this special time to engage with the children and to teach the adults. And so he took the children in his arms and he placed his hands on them and he blessed them. And Jesus gave those children his time and his attention, his affection and his blessing. That stopped me in my tracks. When did I last take time in our busy world? Just time without anything in return. You read that account of this passage in Mark again and it says Jesus stopped and took time and then he taught. The children got his time but the adults, they got his teach. Because the children could learn from his presence, just being with them. But for the adults, the teaching took time to take root for them to understand. Fortunately, we'll learn later, they did. So what does being childlike in our faith look like? Let's go back to that kindy entry questionnaire. Enthusiasm, energetic expectant. Are these three words describing our childlike faith? Well, let's unpack them, hey? Enthusiasm for church, for God's people and for telling people about Jesus. Children have an innate ability to really throw themselves into things, don't they? With a huge amount of enthusiasm. It's infectious, it's wonderful 
and it really maps the dictionary definition, a feeling of energetic interest in a particular subject or activity, a zeal. When did you last have a deep conversation with a five-year-old who loves dinosaurs? Yeah, that's enthusiasm, isn't it? That's a real zeal. I can't pronounce those things, but they have a grasp of paleontology beyond their years. And encounters with Jesus often result in enthusiasm. If we look at John chapter 4, from verse 25 through to 42, it tells us the story of the Samaritan woman. And the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I am the one speaking to you. I am he. Then leaving her water jar, that most important possession, the woman went back to town and she said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I've ever done. And she had quite the resume, didn't she? Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of town and they made their way to him. And many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I'd ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them and he stayed two more days. And because of his words, many more became believers. And they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves and we know that this man really is the saviour of the world. From the Samaritan woman, come and meet a man who knew everything about me. From her enthusiasm, she shared her testimony and they believed. They came because of her enthusiasm. And, and in Luke chapter 18, verse 35, we read about a blind beggar who received his sight from Jesus. And by verse 30, um, 43, immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. And when all the people saw it, they also praised God. Enthusiasm is catching Childlike enthusiasm points to God and it praises God. Can you feel their enthusiasm? Do you notice something else about their enthusiasm? They went and told others. He's wonderful. Come and meet him. Are we infectiously enthusiastic like that? Come and see. Come meet Of course not, Marion. It's not like Jesus is sitting in the local coffee shop, is he? No, but you are. Childlike faith is enthusiastic. And what about book recommendations? Do you ever give a book recommendation when you've read a really good book? I do. But do I recommend the Bible? Or even the book of John? That gave me a wake-up call. The best book ever. God's love letter to me. And I don't recommend it. That requires a childlike enthusiasm, doesn't it? Childlike faith is enthusiastic. And a childlike faith has energy to it. To get involved, to serve, to spread God's word. In, in a definition, energies is that total amount of your physical and mental strength to do something. Or as the greatest commandment would tell us, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your mind 
and all of your strength energetically. So how's your energy level? When my appointment to this position was made, um, one of the children made this beautiful prophetic response. She went home and she said to her mum, I want to practice my writing. And so she wrote me a note and she drew me a beautiful picture and it said, Marion went on the couch and she was very tired after church. (laughs) Thank you, Abby. (laughs) Yeah. You know what? Sometimes I get home on a Sunday and I'm tired. But you know what else? In the mornings... I am never tired. I am never too tired to go to, ch- to work, particularly on a Sunday, because this is the best job I have ever had. I get to talk with families and with children about Jesus every single day. Woo. That's where my energy comes from, and it's, and it's awesome. So, yes, sometimes after church, the couch is a good place. But not in the morning. I get out of bed and I am there early, ridiculously early, as my daughter would say. So where does our energy come from? Well, in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, we read about the fellowship of the believers. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They met together, they sang praises They met together daily. They sold their possessions and no one was in need. This, indeed, was a high-energy group. Being together with God's people is energising. It's supposed to be like a child's birthday party. You know, they have so much energy even before you bring the sugar out. They are hanging out to be together. They count down the days. They buy gifts. They fuss over what they're going to wear. Will I wear my sparkly tutu? No, too much for preaching, right? Yeah, okay. Is that how you are in getting together with your church family? Or is it more likely that you bribe the kids by cooking pancakes for breakfast so you can have a sleep in on a Sunday morning? This, this is where your energy comes from. Don't let busy be your excuse and take your energy from God. There's a management speaker called Simon Sinek who's made a career out of teaching people to find their why. In fact, that's what his book's called. These are really good books. Um, They're used across a lot of different businesses and even in schools they're, they're taught in upper high school. And he talks about understanding why you do something, not what you do. And he cites companies like Apple and some of the Fortune 500 companies um, as being successful companies who when um, people want to be part of it because their why is really clear. Not the what of what they do, but the why they do it is really clear. Because knowing your why gives you energy. Simon is a really great speaker, but you know what? He's really late to the party on this one. Really late. Because Christians have always known their why. It's Jesus. Jesus is our why. Yep, that's where our energy comes from. So eat pancakes on Saturday and come to church on Sunday and hang out with other family. 
who love Jesus because that's where your energy comes from. It's God's work. It's celebration. It's the energy that comes from a childlike faith. And our 30, well, come expectant. Something is about to happen. It's going to be good. That sort of expectant. A child of the king can be expectant because they have assurance that their father will supply all their needs. Does that sound familiar? Yes, it is. It's Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Jesus Christ. Yes, it's familiar. You are a child of the king. And the king is large and in charge, to quote Dave. A child comes to things without complication, just humbly. They come trusting that the adult will fix the things they can't. We adults, however, bring so much baggage with us at times, don't we? Do you ever lie in bed at night, revisiting the day, overthinking a conversation that you've had? Or planning through the next day with layers of what-ifs because you want to control all of the details and be in control. <clears throat> you know what? You can't. The sun will come out tomorrow without any help from you. It is that simple. A childlike faith believes the Bible and reads the word regularly. There's your preparation. And acts consistently with it. A child isn't ignorant they just keep it simple. The gospel is enough. We don't need to add to it. And we don't need to take from it. And we don't need to hide the bits that are a bit more difficult to understand. God ordained every word and it is enough. A child also has confidence in their parents. Do we have that confidence in our Heavenly Father? A child comes to a parent expectantly. As a child, they know that we will give them whatever we can that is good for them. He's a good, good father. We have salvation, peace and joy as his children. He says, my child, come see a man who knew everything about me. They were words of expectancy from that Samaritan woman. You know, Jesus went to weddings and to parties. He might have even danced. But it is hard to dance with the weight of the world on your shoulders, isn't it? If you get the opportunity to watch a child dance, ah, it's a beautiful thing. They are light on their feet. They will twirl and jump. They have joy on their face. And they will be caught up in the music that is inside of them. They won't hear you until you break that moment. Faithful and expectant, a child can just fully relax. Have you held a child that was just sleeping in your arms? The weight of a fully relaxed child. When your little one just snuggles in and falls asleep, they let go and they let you carry them. That complete surrender of a child who knows that they are completely safe. Doesn't even question their security. That is the peace that our Heavenly Father wants to give us. And we need 
to let go and learn how to relax into him that way. A child's not weary and world-worn. Rather, they are free of all that complexity and cynicism. They're open and readily accept the things that are often. So if God's word says to pray, well, then they pray. Oh, our children over in kids' ministry, they pray the most wonderful prayers. They thank God openly for the everyday things. They have worries sometimes, sure, but you know what? They tell God and they tell him what they need. And their prayers are short and they are to the point. Dear God, thank you. Help. Amen. Sometimes adults make prayer just look too complicated, don't they? We give God this complicated backstory with all the details and layers and everybody that's been involved forever in it. And you know what? He already knows all that detail. He was there. And then after a bit of a chat and a ramble, we go, well, thanks for the chat, God. I'm feeling a little bit better now that I've unloaded. And I think I'll go back to fixing it myself. No. No. Not like that. Pray first. Hand it over. Leave it with God. A childlike prayer. Bring that innocence. Dear God, thank you. Help. Amen. You can be expectant because good things are coming. Band, you can come up. We can come expectantly. We don't need to work for it. We can let ourselves and all of our brokenness just be seen by Jesus. We can be vulnerable. Because we know it's not about anything we have done, but about what he did. His blood covers us. And so we can let our broken be visible to Jesus. Um, I have a younger brother. And when we were kids growing up, um, my brother regularly uh, broke my dolls. It wasn't that he really meant it. You know, I, I was a very protective uh, older sister. And I, I still protect him. I don't like him to get into trouble. Uh, he is, however, very good at it. Um, he was a very inquisitive player, very inquisitive at it. And when you read inquisitive, it results in broken because when you're working out how a doll works and you wriggle its arm quite a bit, sometimes the arm will come off. And so this was a fairly regular occurrence in our household that my brother would be quite inquisitively playing with my toys and they would end up in broken pieces. And I would try and fix it and, and hide it because I wanted to protect him from getting into trouble. But I couldn't fix it. We had one of those um, 1960s kitchens that are now euphemistically called mid-century modern and it had an overhead cabinet and at the end of that cabinet was the only empty shelf in the whole kitchen. And that was the daddy fix shelf. And it was kept empty every morning because by the end of every day, the things that my brother had broken in his inquisitive way would be placed there for dad to come home. And dad would come home every night. And while he chatted to mum about the day, 
he just put arms and legs back on and straighten up my doll's heads and put them back together and hand them back to me, ready to be played with again and possibly broken tomorrow. But, you know, I had to hand those dolls over and I had to hand over all the pieces for him to be able to fix them. I couldn't hide them away because while they were hidden, they couldn't be fixed. And I had to trust that my dad could fix pretty much anything that was put on that shelf. And you know, he always did. But the hardest part of my day was handing over the pieces of my broken babies and then waiting for all those broken pieces to be put back together. To wait for my dad to fix them. Same with our broken bits, you know. We need to hand them over to God and let him do the fixing. He's our father and we are his children. And our daddy loves fixing things. Do you remember how I said that those rebuked disciples, well, they finally got the message of why this passage needed to be there? Well, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, we read from John, one of the rebuked disciples. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Yes, one of the rebuked disciples. He, he finally got that teach. The kingdom of heaven is for us who have a childlike faith. So how are your words of childlike faith going? How tired of adulting are you? Is your enthusiasm still high? What about your energy level? Can you still come humbly expecting that something good is going to happen? Or are you hiding and holding on to your broken? Well, let's go back to that passage. Jesus took time to take those children in his arms to lay his hands on them and to bless them. Is that what you need? I do. I so do. So if you need to be blessed, to have someone pray with you, you're not quite there yet with Jesus and you're hanging back at the edges and you need to ask more questions to inquire of him and come expectant bring all the broken bits don't hold back because those ugly broken bits they're the ones that more than any others God wants you to bring come to the front during this last song And someone with a childlike faith will pray with you. And they will spend time with you just like Jesus did for those children. He was present. God was present. He is present still and he wants to be with us. So will you come? He is a good, good father. Thank you, Ben.
You've been listening to a sermon from Hills Baptist Church. To find out more or to hear other great content, find us at hillsbaptist.com or on your podcast app.